<laughs> All right. Are you ready, Mr. Piperata? <clears throat> Do re mi fa. I'm ready. <laughs> no, I think that, that's your that's your cold open. <laughs> There's my cold opener. So many choices. That was beautiful, Joe. That, <laughs> that, was, that was great. That was great. Hello and welcome to another installment of Conf T with URSE. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and today we're going to talk about UCS. Joining me today, as always, is my illustrious colleague and co-host, Brian Boyd. How you doing, Brian? Doing well, Brian. Thank you for asking. And uh, you, uh, you look like you're glowing a little bit more. Something happened recently since the last time that, uh, that we all got together? Uh, what are you referring to here, Brian? I think you, uh, you went away for a while, and then you, you came back. and with, uh, with a ring on my finger? A ring on your finger, yeah. Yeah, I did. I got, I got married. Congratulations. Thank you, buddy. Well, uh, I, I know all the... Um, all the <laughs> I know all of our female audience that uh, loves listening to this podcast is going to be sorely disappointed that you're no longer a bachelor and are officially off the market, but... Uh, I'll be, sure, I'll be sure to return all zero of those emails and letting them know. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut here. I don't want any uh, HR violations. So. <laughs> well, this is a safe space. No HR violations here. Um, also joining us today uh, for, I think, the second time now. I'm, I'm amazed we invited him back. Uh, I think against... Uh, I don't against... think we did. I think he just showed up on the, on the podcast. I don't yeah, think we that, invited that's, him. That's possible, too. Uh, the person, of course, we are speaking of is the one and only, thank God, Joseph Piperata. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, and uh, thank you for that very warm welcome. Hey, I, I wouldn't give you anything less, Joe, especially you, I, no, nothing less. So, I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. So um, today we wanted to talk about UCS, and of course, uh, Joe and Brian are my go-to guys when it comes to anything data center related. Um, wanted to bring you guys in, talk about UCS, and really kind of bring us up to speed and our customers up to speed on what it is, what the differentiators are, and why we want to uh, consider Cisco in the in the server environment. And if I remember correctly, UCS just turned ten, right? Yeah, that sounds right. It did indeed. So we've we've been in the market now for ten years, and of course, when you think Cisco, Cisco servers don't usually pop up at, at top of mind, and that's mostly because we've only been doing it for ten years. But uh, I think that there's some critical differentiators here. Uh, that we have to offer versus the competition, and that's why I brought Joe and Brian along. So, Joe, I'll um, you don't need any introduction. You sure as hell don't need any uh, uh, kickers. So I'll I'll let you take it away and uh, kind of give us your spiel on uh, UCS, and we can go from there. Sure, sure, appreciate that. I think the the one most amazing fact is that our differentiator, or one of our main differentiators from day one still resonates to this day still holds true to this day and that is our unified fabric architecture uh, there isn't a single competitor in the market that can offer that same solution that we bring to our customers uh, namely a redundant pair of fabric interconnects uh, whether it's one per data center multiple per data center uh, doesn't matter but that architecture that allows you to physically connect and manage 
any of our flavors of UCS. So we have customers that prefer blades, likewise for rack mount, some mix those environments. We have numerous customers getting into hyper-converged. We have customers looking strategically at their backup recovery and archive environments and deploying the S3260. That's our high-density modular storage solution. Pick your favorite flavor of UCS, mix and match any of those different models. They can all be physically connected to the same redundant pair of fabric interconnects, giving our customers best-in-class centralized management across an entire compute portfolio. And that, that resonates extremely well with our customers today. They love the architecture. They also love the fact that, let's say we, we do have multiple fabric interconnects, single or multiple data center, we have seen it all. They can still deploy a manager of managers called UCS Central, very appropriate name. So now I don't have to go into separate instances of UCS Manager. I can strictly use UCS Central as a single point of control for multiple compute domains, regardless of how small or large they are. And customers have really latched on to both of those items. And, and no one else in the market really does, does this? We're, we're the only ones that do it this way? Or, or how, how does that work? Is this a, a major differentiator with us? To this day, which is, which is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. In the IT industry, when a, when a vendor comes out with a game-changing feature, function, solution, competition generally catches up rather quickly or at least has something that can try to compete. But all we're really seeing from the competition still is what I would say are standard, separately managed, uh, even proprietary amongst themselves. Sometimes pizza box, sometimes blades. Right. But what we're, what we're not seeing from the competition is a single unified fabric, unified connectivity approach uh, that offers best-in-class centralized management. Right. So just to piggyback on that, a lot of the competition is still separating their sand traffic and their land traffic, which means now you're running two separate sets of switches. Right. And um, <clears throat> we've definitely mentioned this on the call before, but I, I supported UCS for three and a half years. And in talking with customers, even as their environment was in some way broken enough to call TAC, so they were you know, not at their most happy, they still were praising UCS because of its architecture and its management capabilities and how two that closely are tied together. So not only the FIs can do, you know, the SAN and LAN traffic, but the way you do it is completely customizable. So you can hang the storage right off the FIs as you want. It's direct attached attached storage. Or you can, you know, do your zoning upstream and have the FIs just get that um, downstream. Wow. And then we do uh, converged network adapters too. So the blades and the rack mounts that we we sell have um, one interface card that can do SAN and LAN traffic. So when you think of the management possibilities that stem off of that and, and how it ties in directly with that architecture, it, it's really nice for customers to be able to use that. So w- would you, to, to simplify it further for minds like myself, would you say it's kind of like the benefits of a blade without having to go a blade route? Like if you if you wanted to do rack mount, uh, like kind of like sw- switch stacking, right, where you have you have multiple switches combined together and you have yeah, as, as that single point of management for those multiple layers there. 
Would you would you kind of define it like that, or, or am I missing the, the ball entirely? Yeah, I think you're missing the ball a little bit. I would say okay. the form factor doesn't really matter whether right. you're purchasing our Blade servers or our rack mount servers. Uh, you can still get the virtual interface cards that converge network adapter. Well, that's what I'm saying. You get the benefits of something like a Blade or a stack without having to go that route if you wanted to stay with uh, with a pizza box type. Exactly. Whatever. It's the magic of the FIs. You know, that's where everything, that's where all the management happens. Um, gotcha. Whatever server form factor you choose, management should be the same. Okay. That's impressive. Yeah, because, I mean, when when I looked at it, I, I came into to Cisco here now three years ago. Uh, I really didn't know that we did much. I didn't know we had the UCS line. In fact, I think the first time I saw Cisco UCS was about, I would say literally three months before I started at Cisco, and I still didn't know what it was. I thought I thought UCS stood for Unified Communications. <laughs> yeah, common mistake. So I was like, it's a it's a communication server, and now you're repurposing it as a regular server. Like, how much power did they pack in that thing? I was very confused. Um, I don't think using the, the the same letters over and over again. And and what is because I, we try to avoid the acronyms. What does UCS stand for? Unified Computing System. Unified Computing. Okay. So unified computing systems. When I when I first saw it, I was like, okay, how is this any different from insert vendor name here's box, right? Because the way I was always used to using it, especially in the environment that I came from, you had one server, it had its own IP address, and you managed it with there. If you needed to go to the BIOS or whatever, you you know had your KVM uh, um, your, your KVM box there and, and connected to it and whatnot. This is. This is kind of like uh, all those extra management features on top of, you know, on steroids. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought this up because you, we can directly tie this into UCS management. So okay. instead of going box to box and device to device and hooking up your KVM thing right. and giving it an IP address and stuff like that and all of these different identifiers, you use UCS manager for all of that. And you create something called service profiles. Okay, we, we touched on service yes. profiles. So you'll create a template. And uh-huh. in that template, you'll have your... UUID, your IP addresses, your MAC addresses, your, um, you know, whatever you're configuring on the server, your WWPN survivor channel, anything mm-hmm. like that. And you'll set up these pools of resources that'll go in sequential order most of the time. Okay. Then you assign these templates or these service profiles to each of your servers, and they'll just pull resources from that pool, and um, they'll have all of their identifiers based off of that. Okay, so first of all, mind blown. So this is very similar. The, 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 the pools that it would be taken from very similar to the way Meraki does templates yeah. in terms of you say, okay, this is gonna, you're going to have this range and just, just pull the next one available. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're saying a workflow of getting, let's say I order a dozen UCS servers, whether it's hyperconverged, blade, um, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. I order a dozen of them. The workflow of getting these things processed, plugged in, and and operational, where I now have an IP address that's on the network, and I'm able, ready, able to start, you know, attaching it to my SAN or uh, loading up the ESSEC or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever hypervisor, whatever I want to do. The process is turning it on, getting it plugged in, and it just talks to UCS manager by default and is able to pull that information off? How, how, how does that piece work? So let's say you order a new blade. Yeah. You're going to insert it into the rack. It'll get discovered by UCS manager. Now, you might have a bunch of different templates. You'll have one for boot from SAM, local boot, right. so on and so forth. Whatever you decide this one to be, you'll create a template based off of that, or you'll create a profile based off of that template, assign it to the blade, it'll reboot and come back up, and you're off and running with your OS install or whatever you need to do with it. And no one else does this? 
as far as the templates go, I don't know, Joe, do you know anyone else who's doing this? Yeah, at least one competitor has taken a step or two in that direction. Uh, but again, going back to what I had said earlier about the, the amount of time that's transpired without having a, a real competitor across all the value add within that UCS solution itself. Uh, so they, again, there's, there's at least one that's taken a few steps in the template direction, but still not offering the depth and breadth of the architecture and software differentiators that we have. And, and the, there's two that I talk about with my customers all the time, just making sure uh, that there's a, a level of awareness around UCS and all the things it can do. One of my favorites, I, I call it the checks and balances feature. Officially, it's Blade Server Hardware Qualifications. So let's say I'm, I'm an admin, I log in, and here's this new Blade that someone had installed, and it has a configuration. Or, or maybe I either want to reconfigure it or apply the initial config. And let's say I grab my vSphere 6.5 template. Well, what if that Blade doesn't meet my requirements or IT's requirements for a VMware or any other hypervisor server? Maybe it doesn't have the right processors or memory or local storage. You can build all those application verification requirements into your templates. So basically, if, if someone wants to spin up a hypervisor server, you can identify minimum processor, minimum memory, storage requirements, adapter requirements. So that's critical in making sure that our customers are deploying applications on hardware that's designed to support the application itself. And once customers get exposed to that, they really like that feature. The others are very simple, but a very important one. It's the ability to program your maintenance windows into UCS Manager. So I'm, a, I'm an admin. I log in at 6 p.m. I, I make a change to a blade, and I decide to reboot that blade. Uh, maybe that's an application, or there's applications on that blade that shouldn't be rebooted at that time. I can build maintenance windows into my templates as well. So essentially, you'll get the, you know, you, you have a policy that prevents this this blade from being rebooted at this time. Are you sure you want to do that? So another form of checks and balances, but a, a very important one as it relates to our customers. And taking the sum of all those features, you can start to see <clears throat> use cases for your everyday admin and how they benefit from it. So let's say you're replacing a blade or you're refreshing it. Mm -hmm. You literally pull it out of the slot. You put the new one in. It'll take on that same service profile same identifiers and everything, and it'll just boot right back up. Wow. It's completely abstracted from the hardware, which is really nice. And, and, and you reference Blade, but it doesn't matter what the, what the form factor is. I mean, you'll probably have a different service profile per form factor, meaning right. if you're integrating rack mounts, you'll have a different service profile for that. Right, but and, yeah. and the, the process of, of taking out a, a, a rack mount and putting one back in, you, there may be a little bit more like you want to assign this profile to it, but yeah. the, the idea is still the same. Exactly. That I can, if I need to, if, if I'm developing something where I've got one rack mount server or whatever running and I need it to scale, I need to get four more the exact same way, and the exact same configuration, both on a hardware and software standpoint, I pop it in, I manage it with uh, with UCS Manager, and I've got four more identical machines. Yes, identical you've already got that, that template built out. You've already got right. that service profile built out. It's seconds in, you know, adding the template, and it'll reboot for you, and it's up and running. Now, now talking about, like, kind of daily tasks for the admins, right, the, the, the customers that we work with, things like um, firmware updates, patching, stuff like that, uh, 
maintenance. I'm, I'm thinking like hardware maintenance, memory, and 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 whatever upgrades. That's that's probably more along the lines, especially if it's in like a, a vSphere kind of role where you're, you're putting them in maintenance mode, shutting it down, and, and pulling it out. But as far as doing things like uh, like those maintenance tasks, how much or what can we do with UCS Manager? How does that help? I mean, just from a firmware perspective, um, it's all kind of like laid out for you mm-hmm. in that there's a an infrastructure package, a UCS Manager package, and a Blade package or a server package, we'll call it. Okay. You know, depending on your form factor. And um, we have a very comprehensive upgrade guide that goes through either an auto install or a manual firmware, firmware upgrade task if you want to be on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll let you know what's disruptive and what's not. Hmm. But the cool thing is you can upload this firmware package. You can assign it to the ser- uh, service profile, whichever one you want to, or all of them. Mm-hmm. And then it'll put it in something called um, you know, ACK mode or, or reboot acknowledge mode. Okay. So you can go through, and instead of all of your blades rebooting at once and taking on that firmware, you can start with one, vacate it, move all the VMs off it, reboot it, move VMs back on it, and just play the shell game all the way down to do your firmware upgrade. Hmm. So if you do an, a UCS upgrade right, there's zero downtime between the two FIs and all of the uh, servers. Which my experience with something like uh, vSphere is, is very similar where if you you can set it up where if you're doing like a, a, an upgrade on the hypervisor software to just, you know, do put that machine in, uh, put that uh, node in, in maintenance mode, get all the VMs off, Reboot it, install, reboot, whatever, get it back on, confirm yeah. it's up and running, move the, you know, migrate the, mach- the VMs back, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, most customers actually just do them at the same time. So you vacate that, you do the host upgrade, mm-hmm. the server upgrade, and then you do the, the VMware upgrade at the same time. Then you move VMs back on. And, and as you said, you can assign a firmware to a specific service profile. So if for some reason you determine that this particular application or these these sets of blades or, or rack mount servers need this version of firmware to run whatever critical application or you don't want it to change or whatever, you can just say, okay, these this service profile gets version 1.2, everything else gets version 1.3, go through yep. that acknowledge mode and, and you're off and running. Well, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amazed. I, th- I think, Joe, you mentioned it too. I'm a bit surprised that no one else has really gotten this far, you know, considering we're kind of the, the new player and maybe it's kind of the, the Apple way of doing things, the Apple approach where you don't necessarily have to be first to, to come to the idea, but coming in last kind of, uh, or coming in later is, um, has its own benefits because you can see what works and what doesn't and, and, and develop your product uh, with that in mind from the ground up. And, and maybe that's the gameplay here. Maybe that's why we're where we are with that. But I have to say, I'm a bit surprised that we're, we're, the competition is not really at that same level. And from what it sounds like, with the exception of maybe one that's starting to take steps in that direction, not really even close. Yeah, you're, you're dead on there. You you nailed one of the critical differentiators going back 11 and a half, 12 years is when UCS began development. And out of the gate, the team was tasked with two things, two major things, creating that next new, uh, next gen infrastructure uh, uh, connectivity model, uh, also known as unified fabric, and true centralized management. Well, along with that, since we started from scratch, Cisco got to develop a chassis from scratch. Uh, You don't have to go back very far uh, in time to find limitations 
in all of our competitors, or at least most of our competitors' offerings. And those limitations were tied to which combinations of processors and how much memory or how many DIMMs you could support at any one time. They had airflow restrictions, thus operating temperature restrictions. If, if you look at their documentation, it's all publicly documented, by the way. The, the vendors or the competitors would tell you, okay, if you're using these processors, guess what? You can only use this many DIMMs, even though there's physically more DIMMs on a blade. You can't use them all because that solution would essentially overheat in the chassis. Well, we developed the chassis itself. As simple as this seems, it's very important because that chassis was developed from day one to have best-in-class airflow, uh, basically be a best-in-class operating environment for blades. Thus, there were no restrictions uh, as far as the permutations and combinations of processors and dim count that you could install. Uh, so we've never had any restrictions from day one. We still don't to this day. Uh, and that's been a, a significant differentiating factor for us over the years as well. That gap has closed somewhat. So our competitors have had to come out with new chassis. We still have customers running that original UCS chassis that they implemented 10 years ago. And the only thing they've had to do in that in those 10 years, of course, they've, they've upgraded compute. Our customers generally have a three, four, or five-year server refresh cycle. So they've upgraded compute. And they've also updated the I.O. modules. So the way a chassis communicates to those fabric interconnects, there'll be a, an A-side and a B-side I.O. module. That connectivity today can be 10 gig, 25 gig, or 40 gig. So we just came out with our Gen 4 I.O. module for 10 slash 25 gig connectivity northbound. That's the only component they've had to update other than the blades themselves. So that original chassis, given the way it was designed, if we go back when it first came out, I believe the processors were Intel Nahalem. And now, of course, we're Skylake and Cascade Lake. But that same chassis with our same half-width form factor is still up and operational in many, many environments. Uh, on top of that, again, this comes back to the chassis design. We see a lot of customers looking at investing in GPUs or graphics processing units. Right. generally related to VDI environments, but it doesn't always have to be VDI, but that's where we see it used most. We are the only vendor in the industry that can support two GPUs on a small half-width blade. So not only will you get the latest generation of Intel processors with the fastest memory on the market, you have the option to create a GPU-dense solution. So you can minimize the number of servers, while maximizing the performance for VDI or other graphics-intensive environments. That's a lot of heat density right there. I'm just thinking about that. You know, two CPUs, two GPUs, stacked full of memory. That, oh, yeah. that's, a lot of, that's a lot of heat in, in one spot. But, you know, as, as you said, it's about building a better mousetrap, right? And if the first task is, I need you to, you know, when, when, this, when UCS first got started, I need you guys to build something that's going to work correctly, that's going to solve all the problems that we're seeing on a daily basis as far as I can't use this amount of memory with this particular CPU because there's just too much heat, you know, and just, just building that better mousetrap from the ground up. Um, it, it sounds like there's a, a benefit of coming in a little later to the game. Yeah, we had that benefit. 
right? A, a lot of folks don't know how UCS came to be, but it was done via a spin-out, spin-in. So we, we spun out uh, a separate organization. Uh, it was a group of the best minds in the industry when it comes to compute, data center architecture, as well as GUI interfaces, or uh, as far as GUIs themselves. And they were spun back in only when they met a specific set of stringent requirements. And again, the, the two most critical on that list were a true next-gen architecture, as well as uh, true centralized management. Very cool. And as a side note, I, I know we weren't really planning on talking about this. Um, in terms of cooling, Joe, I know you and I have had conversations before on where we feel the uh, we're, we're kind of reaching that critical mass in terms of the capabilities of actual air cooling, just because we have so much heat density now and we're, we're reaching those, those, uh, those limitations now. What are your thoughts? And again, this is off the record as much as a podcast can be off the record. Sure. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of the next generation of, of cooling, the next generation of data centers for the next 10, 15 years? So that's an interesting one. So uh, on that note, again, it's been a great run for chassis number one. But when you would look at the Intel processors, and, and we support AMD as well. Uh, that's in a, a separate form factor. It's in a, a different type of chassis, if you will. Uh, but we, we're not just uh, an Intel-only shop. We support AMD. But with that UCS Blade chassis, we are designing the next-gen chassis. The real reason for that is if you look at the the wattage of these processors that come out generation after generation uh, after Skylake and Cascade Lake, uh, the next-gen Intel architecture, we're going to see processors hitting 300 watts and well over that. So we're at a point where we, we need to create that next-gen longevity chassis, if you will. So what, what that next component, what that next piece of hardware is going to look like, that will presumably last for 10 plus years for these significantly more powerful processors that we see in the industry. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to see what comes of that because I've, uh, I've got my bets on data center liquid cooling. I've seen some of the really cool um, products that other vendors have come out with that it's, it's, just very interesting to me. And I think most of them, Cisco cert is certifies for use uh, with UCS servers, so which I was surprised and happy to see as well. But yeah, just uh, dunk a whole rack or blade server inside of a big pool of mineral oil and let it rip. Yeah. <laughs> and, and away you go. And, and away you go. It's it's incredible stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that, and it's going to be uh, – it's going to be a bit of a messier process now to uh, to change out memory and, and stuff, but maybe not as dusty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but stay tuned. Once once we make that official announcement, that'll be some significant information we can share with our customer and partner base. Nice. We'll definitely stay tuned for that. So, Joe, we've talked a lot about the differentiators with UCS, mostly around management. Can you... Um, go a little bit deeper into any of the other management pieces that we have, especially for those um, where we have maybe large, larger sites with a lot more um, UCS hardware to manage. 
Absolutely. And uh, that's a great segue to a solution that's keeping me plenty busy these days in the best way possible. Uh, it's a solution we call Intersight. So this is a rapid development platform that any customer can enroll in for free. There is a free base license that provides a, a healthy dose of default functionality. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Uh, but basically, if a customer goes to intersight.com, they would go through a secure two-factor authentication enrollment process. So every flavor of UCS, rack mount, blade, Hyperflex, S3260, uh, within that solution, you can find uh, two key pieces of information, uh, device ID and a claim code. That claim code is a rotating uh, code, so it's, it's uh, part of the, the overall security mechanism. Uh, it's not a, uh, a consistent code for the lifetime of a solution. But essentially, a customer would enroll one or more system, so you can enroll your Fabricant Interconnects, you can enroll uh, rack mount servers individually, you can enroll Hyperflex separately, uh, likewise for the S3260, whether it's connected to Fabric Interconnects or not connected to Fabric Interconnects. Once that happens, uh, there's numerous things you can do. So long-term, Intersight is going to be a one-stop shop for server management. As a rapid development platform, we've seen it grow from basically a read-only interface that provided a nice set of dashboards for an environment, but we quickly added complete standalone rack mount server management. So you heard Brian say it earlier. He said CIMC or SIMC, Cisco Integrated Management Controller. Uh, there's also IMC Supervisor, which would be a separate on-prem GUI to essentially manage rack mount servers. Well, Intersight as a cloud-based portal, right? strictly a cloud-based solution for the vast majority of our customers, uh, offers a complete replacement for IMC Supervisor. So this also goes to that category of giving our customers the optimal set of choices. Do you want to manage your environment on-prem? Would you prefer to use a cloud-based portal? Well, we are the only vendor in the industry that can offer both of those uh, options to our customer base. So what's critical about Intersight, I, I mentioned the free version, which has a lot of critical functionality. If you want to start integrating additional visibility and insight, uh, things like hardware compatibility checks uh, gets that's a, can be a pretty intensive manual process for our customers. But if you want a tool or a utility that can execute that compatibility check for you, the essentials edition of Intersight makes that possible. Uh, there's another critical feature called connected TAC. It's actually built into the base version, believe it or not. As long as you have smart call home enabled in the underlying systems, the connected tag functionality can automate the collection and sending of logs to the tag and opening of a service request. So it's a, it's a nice way to help automate the operational side of things as well. And, and just it, to highlight that, um, it's even more important because it automatically runs those logs it collects through a script. Okay. That's going to check for the top, I don't know, thousand most common issues that tag sees. So if it's a hardware issue, if it's a known defect, um, if it's a configuration error that gets made frequently, by the time the TAC engineer picks that case up and looks at it, the issue could already be solved. So it's, I mean, this is something that was getting put into effect as I was leaving TAC, 
uh, and yeah. it cut down resolution on these issues to to minutes. I was I was going to ask if this was something that benefited you mm-hmm. a, a lot. And like Joe said, it's in the free edition. Right. So if you have Hyperflex, UCS, any sort of deployment, I mean, just sign up for it, get it installed just for that feature alone yeah. because it can help your TAC experience exponentially. That, that's incredible. So at the end of the day, would you say that it takes care of the low-hanging fruit? Um, that's a great sentence, Brian. Yes, it does. <laughs> it, it does indeed. Even some of the, the harder-to-reach fruit. Um, <laughs> and, and, we're, and we're talking about a solution that's literally it's 10 minutes. And we don't want to say deployment because you enroll through the web-based GUI, right? It's, it's right. hosted by Cisco uh, redundantly in a specific cloud provider. It offers essentially unlimited scale, so we, we can just continue to scale this out as customers uh, sign up or enroll in Intersight. But within 10 minutes, you can have your pair of FIs discovered, the inventory discovered. Uh, it offers numerous customizable, customizable dashboards, so as a as a centralized dashboard, uh, as an insight and oversight mechanism. It's a fantastic tool, uh, something that we added fairly recently. Uh, and again, when you go to the GUI, you can actually, customers can look at the what's new link and it'll show them what we've built in uh, from 2017 uh, up until right now, the end of October. So they can get a nice quick view of all the critical features that have been added over the years. Uh, but something that was added fairly recently was a, the ability to spin up Hyperflex clusters uh, through this tool. So whether it's Hyperflex Edge or a traditional cluster, the ability to do that initial turn up and then monitoring through Intersight has proven very, very powerful and useful for our customers. As it relates to a specific flavor of Hyperflex, our hyperconvert solution, uh, you, you need to have a minimum of three nodes to build any Hyperflex cluster. The mm. semi-exception to that rule is Hyperflex Edge. Right. It's still three nodes, but you can actually build a Hyperflex Edge uh, cluster with two physical nodes and then Intersight as a logical third node. So Intersight can become that oversight mechanism for Hyperflex Edge deployed at a customer's remote sites. Ah, that's how so that's that a, works. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It is strictly for Edge today. Uh, they may open that up to be for a standard or traditional cluster deployment, uh, but today that is a hugely important feature as it relates to small hyperflex clusters at our customers' remote sites. Gotcha. So, yeah, we'll be sure to put a link in the show notes for our listeners to check out Intersight, read up on it, sign up for it. I mean, the connected tech piece alone mm-hmm. sounds worth it. And you said that's what that's in the base piece? Is that is that... It's a paid option, or version. that's in the base free version. And the base version. Yeah. That that's incredible, and I, I imagine it, it saves TAC a ton of time. Yeah, it benefits the customer as well as TAC. Just right. um, just basically taking care of, like you said, the low hanging fruit, and and like Joe said, even some of the more detailed stuff. I mean, yeah. there there were times as this was getting put into place where. I'd be beating my head against the wall, and I'd check the scripts again, and I'd find something like uh, drops on an FC port or something like that that I hadn't think to check already. So right. it, it can bring glaring issues to the forefront. Right. And even if you open a TAC case or something like a DIM failure, it could catch configuration errors or firmware mismatches or something else that could give you problems down the road, and the TAC engineer can point that out to you. We did something like this similar with CLI, um, the CLI tool, didn't we, for, um, C- uh, what is it, CLI Analyzer? It's that free software that you mm-hmm. can use, and, and there's actually 
like a check button where you can have it check your configuration and, and upload it to TAC and, and I guess run through those same scripts, right? Is it yeah, similar, similar idea? idea, but the database that I'm talking about specifically is, is huge. It's, right, it's right. run by TAC. So anytime a new defect is filed, mm-hmm. a new module will get written to check for that defect. Gotcha. So. Oh, this is impressive stuff. I, I have to say, I, I came into this episode not really understanding, you know, the, really the, the, the key differentiators of, of UCS other than the fact that it's got the Cisco name on it. Um, and Intersight too, as far as um, you know, its capabilities. Um, so we we talked about the 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 base and the the base version. Um, Joe, do you want to elaborate any, real quick on any of the uh, the premium level uh, type subscription for Intersight and what that brings to the table? Yeah. So the one of the biggies, and it's it's it can be an operational operationally intensive exercise. So going through any kind of hardware software compatibility check in any data center. So our customers' data centers are composed of multiple vendors by default. Right. And there, there isn't a single vendor that offers every single possible solution. Uh, but what we do have are certainly all the tools that a customer can go to if they choose to do this manually. You can go to a few different links on CCO and, and manually go through the hardware software verification process. But if you have the essentials addition or higher, the HCL or hardware compatibility list uh, verification that is built in for you. So you have a tool that automates that process and can lead to significant operational savings. Uh, the other thing Intersight Essentials gets you with the way that we've restructured the licensing, you actually get IMC supervisor licensing and you get UCS central licensing. So more of a bundling of the licenses rather than keeping them as a la carte items. Uh, above that, we do have uh, what will be known as the premier edition of Intersight. Uh, that actually incorporates UCS director licensing. So that's our solution for automation and orchestration in the data center. Uh, so we've, we've done some, some nice licensing aggregation. That's a, a great thing for our customers. Uh, one other critical uh, feature I wanted to mention, and this this is one that uh, I see a lot of customers just breathe a sigh of relief. They actually incorporated contract status into all flavors of Intersight. So here's my data center. I have 10 blades, five rack mount servers, maybe a Hyperflex cluster, and an S3260. It'd be great if I had an easy way to track my support contract status, what's current and valid, what's what has expired, what's due to expire in a certain period of time. Uh, there's a widget that we offer. You just add that to a dashboard, whether that's the default dashboard or any number of custom dashboards that you can create. Uh, you drag that widget or you assign that widget to a dashboard, and now you've got a contract view for the entire data center compute environment. And that's another one, very simple tool, but very powerful tool as it relates to uh, data center operations. Awesome stuff. Well, as always, um, if our listeners want to learn more about this product, see it in action, see a demo, it sounds like this would be something that's pretty easy to set up as a trial or even oh, just yeah. roll out the, the base and essentials. You don't even need to get your account team involved. You can just go to the site and sign up yourself. Look so. at that. You don't even need to involve your Cisco account team. If you don't want to talk to us, we get it. <laughs> just uh, when, when, when you're impressed by it and you want to uh, buy it, then you can talk to us. <laughs> 
right? Yeah, there's no other solution. There's nothing easier to deploy. And I use that word loosely, right? It's more of an enrollment. And you're not you're not spinning up VMs. You're not installing software. Right. You uh, you simply enroll at the intersight.com portal. 10, 15 minutes, a customer is up and operational and getting immediate value out of the solution. Yeah, even if you're not on like a refresh cycle or if you have no budget, it's right. great for management, the free version is, and the connected tech. The connected tech thing is just, I mean, yeah. that's a no-brainer. So just get your feet wet, go yeah. sign up for it, get that visibility, get the, the, the connected tech experience, and then just decide where you want to go from there. It's the Meraki-fication of the data center. That's exactly what they're aiming for. In fact, yeah, they used Meraki as a blueprint for designing Intersight. So there you go. There you go. And I would imagine more to come. Well, um, Joe, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on today. Do you have any any final thoughts? Any any last uh, things you'd like to say before we kick you out? No, it's been it's been my pleasure. I uh, appreciate the the added comments along the way here. You know, certainly, if if our customers have any questions whatsoever as to how we stack up to specific competitors, uh, we're more than happy to have that conversation, talk about our, our differentiators still in this day and age. Again, I, I hate to harp on it, but here we are 10 years later and we still have a massive amount of differentiation that we can offer to our customers, whether it's a small, single data center, multiple large data centers, anything in between. You know, reach out to us, and uh, we're more than happy to have those conversations, uh, deliver demos, etc. No, that 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 sounds great, Joe. Thank you for that, Brian. Any uh, any final uh, final thought? I should have had you do this before you went and got married. Any any really <laughs> final thoughts of your own? Not this time. Not this time. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Joe, and thank you for listening to Conf T with URSC. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. Special shout-outs to our listeners from across the ocean. We've got a lot of people over in UK, Australia, I think Isle of Man. Um, please reach out, introduce yourself. I'd love to hear how you heard about the show and uh, uh, get to meet you in a virtual sense. So please send an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead, hit that subscribe button so you'll get notified when we publish an episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.